and welcome to the latest episode in our ESG podcast series. This week has marked record-setting high temperatures in the UK. I'm sure we've all felt the heat. Coinciding with this, the High Court has made an order requiring the UK government to publish a revised report setting out its proposals as to how its net zero targets will be reached. I am Chloe Morris, and I'm joined by Davina Shah from our disputes team. I understand that this has been a significant victory for claimant campaigners against the UK government, and the UK government is now feeling some heat as well. So Davina, can you let me know what the headline outcome is? Of course, Chloe. To give you some context, the challenge was brought by campaign groups, including Client Earth, Friends of the Earth, The Good Law Project, and the environmental campaigner, Joe Weekly. And the challenge was brought on the UK's net zero strategy, which was published last October. That strategy includes commitments to end the sales of new fossil fuel cars by 2030 and gas boilers by 2035, but it's been widely critiqued for lacking any clear explanation of how emission targets will be achieved. And the High Court has now ruled that the Secretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, um, his plans to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to net zero are too vague and therefore unlawful. And in its decision, the court found that neither the Secretary of State nor Greg Hands, who's the energy minister that's approved the strategy, knew how each individual policy would contribute to achieving the legally binding net zero target. As a result, the Secretary of State has been ordered to publish a revised report by the end of March next year, outlining how his proposed net zero policies will achieve the mission targets that have been set. That is quite a result. So how did the claimants go about bringing this um, to fruition? What grounds did they challenge the government's original net zero strategy? Well, the claimants actually brought a judicial review challenge under the Climate Change Act 2008. And that challenge was brought under three grounds, which all centred in some way around the fact that the Secretary of State's policies for meeting the UK's target car- at carbon targets were vague, had unclear timeframes, and also didn't break down how each policy was expected to contribute to the overall reduction in the UK's greenhouse gas emissions. The claimants also tried to bring a judicial review challenge on the basis of the Human Rights Act, arguing that the court should favour the claimant's interpretation of the Act as it was more conducive to the protection of the Convention rights in line with the Human Rights Act. These arguments worked, and um, which didn't, and why? Well, on the first ground of challenge, the court recognised that under the Climate Change Act, the Secretary of State does have duties which are crucial to the operation of the legislation. And those duties include setting carbon budgets and preparing policies. And the court found that in his ministerial briefing, which was held um, to approve the net zero strategy, the Secretary of State hadn't been informed of either the quantitative effects of individual policies, so numerically how the policies would achieve the required emissions reductions, or about which policies would actually allow the target to be fully met. And given that the Secretary of State under the Act is legally required to take those considerations into account when assessing the strategy, the court found that he'd failed to discharge his duty in that way. 
Uh, on the second ground of challenge, the court rejected the Secretary of State's argument that he didn't need to provide any quantification of the effects of individual policies on the net zero target. The court instead agreed with the claimant's position that a report is required um, not only to enable Parliament to scrutinise the policies, but also to provide transparency so that the public can understand how the government intends to meet the statutory targets that it's set. Um, and on the final ground of challenge related to the Human Rights Act, uh, that failed. But it's really interesting that the claimants are using all avenues, including the Human Rights Act, um, to bring these kind of challenges. So you say that the government's going to have to publish a revised report. What, where, when, what's the timing of that and you know, how, how different does it have to be? Yeah, so that revised report will have to be published by the end of next March um, 2023, and it will have to set out further detail on how the net zero goal will be achieved. Um, and it needs to be set out in a really detailed and quantified way, explaining how the policies will actually achieve the net zero target. Um, and that's really important, as the judge commented um, in his ruling, for transparency and also holding ministers to account. That's really interesting judgment. Do you think that this success and, and that actually how this claim is brought is indicative of any broader trends in the legal market and in this ESG space? Indeed, Chloe. Um, the court does. Um, the court order does seem to align with a broader trend we're seeing across Europe and internationally of climate legislation being enforced by the courts with, with teeth. Um, and those measures that the courts have ordered include requiring governments to lower emissions, but also imposing a duty on corporates to do so. Um, on that point, um, last May 2021, as, as has been widely reported, Shell was ordered by The Hague to reduce its worldwide CO2 emissions by 45% um, by 2030. So it's really not long at all. Davina, that's a really interesting overview of this landmark court decision. For my part, it'll be interesting to see whether this decision and the guidance given by the court is taken by um, shareholders to set similar guidance for uh, corporates and their disclosures, feeling more justified to ask for more granular and um, precise targeted disclosures for how companies are going to achieve their climate ambitions. And equally, I wonder whether this will also, I mean, we've recently seen regulators um, in, in the absence of more concrete uh, laws taking a more active role in regulating ESG um, and particularly on climate. I wonder whether this case will also um, give them more confidence to take the same sort of teeth approach as you, you, you suggest the courts are willing to take. Um, I hope that those listening have found it very interesting and that you will join us for our next podcast in this series. Thanks very much. <laughs>